0: The Missional Life Podcast, inspiring kingdom-minded believers around the world to live the mission of God in their
1: lives. All right, welcome back to the Missional Life Podcast. We are at the NRB in Dallas, Texas. And we have an opportunity to talk with Troy Brewer, who is the pastor at Open Door Church in Texas. He's a radio and television program and broadcaster worldwide. He's a global missionary known for his radical love for Jesus. Troy, welcome to the show. Thank you,
0: Dan. Thank you, Amanda. Thank you so much for having me on.
1: Absolutely. Troy, you've written a new book called Redeeming Your Timeline. And it Uh, supernatural skill sets for healing past wounds calming future Mm. anxieties and discovering rest in the now right on what a timely book uh, because there are so many things that people are going through and have gone through culturally and in the world right now that have caused so much pain and and have wounded so many people and caused them to experience so many hardships in life how do people go past these past wounds and move into what God has for them in the future. What does that healing process look like? Well, thank you,
0: Dan. Um, My whole spin on all of this is just the goodness of God overcomes all evil. You know, we're actually charged to overcome evil by good, right on. Mm -hmm. The goodness of God that whenever uh, Moses shows up and he says, Lord, show me your glory. He says, well, I will cause my goodness to pass before you. Mm -hmm. So his manifest presence is his goodness. All right, show me your glory, your manifest presence. I'll cause my goodness to pass before you. So, one of the things that I find in going throughout the world and doing what it is that we do and spending decades of my life um, in the worst places you can possibly imagine is that I kept coming across this thing of, okay, well, this is now and God can give us a new future, but we have these things within our past that are just so devastating. Um, and we, we save a lot of children out of brothels throughout the world. It's a big part of the ministry that we have is, to, is literally, literally saving children out of brothels. And so, if you got some sixteen-year-old girl and she's already got five kids and she has been through something horrific for her entire life, like you, there you can think, well, there's nothing we can do about that. Then we can just now begin to work on our future. Well, that's true if God is subject to your past and if God is subject to your present. But I'm telling you, He's not. Mm-hmm. He's not subject to time. He's not Father Time. He's Father God. Mm-hmm. Wow. And He can literally step in into a place and literally bring His redeeming power, not just into your future, but also into your past. He can literally redeem your past. And I've been on a journey for uh, more than 30 years. I'm also a musician, Mm -hmm. and uh, I've been on this journey discovering this, and it turned out to be the reason why the Lord put me in this was because... um, Knowing the kind of work that he was going to lead me into, I had to be able to bring something very real concerning the trauma of people's past and people's present. Not just a hope for someday. You know, I'm not Martha. Well, I know someday, you know, the resurrection He's like, but I am the resurrection in the life. Don't be looking for a day. Be looking for me, Martha. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? And I'm like, well, how is it, Lord, that I can look for you in, in, in the midst of such incredible darkness? And God began to teach me this thing about redeeming your timeline. So, Dan, it all started uh, back in 1986, 1987. Amanda, we, I was playing in a Christian rock band called Destiny. <laughs> and yeah, and we were playing uh, down in uh, at a place called the Liberty Lunch on 6th Street in Austin, Texas. And uh, we had a a full secular set that turned into a worship set by the end of the night. Wow. okay And they were all kingdom songs and it was we were very evangelical, we were very bold, we were very young, we were very immature and uh, just take on hell with a water pistol, you know and we were down there and we were doing that and I looked up and behind the bar, getting towards the end of the night, I uh, was cutting loose in this magnificent lead. And I looked up and there was a sign that said time is God's way from keeping everything from happening at once. And I didn't know it then, but that was actually an Einstein quote. And I thought, what, why wouldn't God want everything to happen at once? And just right there on the stage in the midst of this concert that we were doing, a a four hour set, I just began, the Lord began to open up a door and say, Troy, I need you to start understanding time. And I need you to start understanding how I work in time. And I had no idea that it was gonna be a huge part of the ministry and the life I was gonna live. Now in my 50s, I had no idea how important it was to understand how important it is to understand how God deals with our timelines. And so now it's, a, it's like a staple in all the ministry that I do.
1: Wow. What are some of the things that you see pe- most holding people back mm. from moving into what God has for them?
0: Well, hopelessness locks us down and we have to be hope fanatics. I mean, we have to be ready always to give a reason for why do we have so it should actually it should actually offend some people and say, "Why are you so daggum hopeful? What's wrong with you?" You know, "What what are you so hopeful about?" And that we actually need to be ready. We need to be prepared that people are going to notice the kind of hope that we have within us. And people get locked into hopelessness for all different kinds of reasons. And I mean, in this day, where if you're drinking the Kool-Aid, if you have your head in the lap of media Delilah today, mm-hmm. um, you will lose all hope. And I think at the mm-hmm. same exact time that the coronavirus was leased upon the world, was unleashed upon the world. I think there was something that went with hopelessness that was with it, like I've never seen. Mm-hmm. Because it doesn't matter in what country we're dealing with, the level of hopelessness and fear. That has locked people up is—it's unprecedented. I've never seen anything like it. And so, uh, people get into all forms of, into all different kinds of hopelessness for all kinds of different reasons. But one of the things that causes people to learn hopelessness is the lie that there's nothing they can do about the things that have already happened to them. There's nothing you can do about what happened when you were 6 or 7 years old. There's nothing you can do about what happened when you were 15 or 16 now that you're in your 30s or 40s. And I'm here to tell you that that's a lie. Because if if you can find the Ancient of Days, if you can actually find him, which means he's older than time. If you can find him and if you can know him in a very real relationship, what you can find is your past is no more different to him than your present is. Because he sees you right now and deals with you, Amanda, right this second, through the eye of redemption, King Jesus deals with you in present future tense, not in present past tense. That's what the law does. The law deals with us in present past tense. But the power of grace and the person of King Jesus deals with us in present future tense, even before now. Like, what are you talking about? I'm talking about he calls us holy right now. He declares that we are seated with Him in heavenly places right now, meaning He's simply not subject to time. So if you can invite Him into your present right now, you can also invite Him into your future right now. Like, well, why why would I invite Him into my future right now? Because he'll, He'll change your trajectory and say, come and meet me here. All right. So where's that out in the Bible? It's in a whole bunch of places. But one of my favorite places is actually at the end of the book of John, he's walking with brother Peter and he says, I've seen your death day and how it glorifies me. You remember that at the end of the book of John? Mm -hmm. It says this he spoke concerning how his death would glorify the Lord. He's talking to him about you're not going to bell. You're going to go places you never imagined you would go. And you're going to carry me. You're going to. You're going to be clothed in a way like you never thought that you would be clothed, right? All that has to do with how you represent the Lord and all that. So, he says, and it says in this, he said concerning how his death would glorify him. He's like, Peter, you're not going to bail. I've been there. I've seen it, and it's a good day. It's a good day. Mm-hmm. So that tells me right now I don't have to wait until I'm gasping for my last breath to say, please be with me. I can invite him to be with me right now, which means there's nothing in the future I need to be afraid of ever. Simply, how do you eliminate that fear? By knowing the presence of the Lord is there. Okay, so fear not, fear not, fear not, for I am with you, I am with you, I am with you, right? You have to become much more aware of the presence of Jesus than of the fearful situation. That's how you overcome all fear. There's only one way to overcome fear, and it's perfect love casts out all fear. Yeah. All right. Well, if we begin to think in terms of that, what if we really get crazy and think in terms of our past? I went through this when I was six or seven. I or went through that horrific car wreck or whatever. I can literally, if I went through a car wreck or if I went through a car wreck of a situation, even something as horrific as, say, child molestation, I could literally, right now, knowing Jesus, I can literally invite King Jesus to step into that day to step into that moment because if he can step into this moment right now he can step into that moment because he's not subject to time and like and if he did and if he was made manifest in that what would that mean it would mean it would change my now because he was there then it would literally stop the unredeemed flow of time from that moment into my life this at this moment and bring a new form of time which is called redeemed time uh, in my book, I have a whole chapter on how the Bible explains different flows of time. And one that, you know, we know there's past, present, and future tense, right? Well, there's also times and seasons, and times is timelines, and seasons is time circles, okay? But another cool kind of time is redeemed time and unredeemed time. In, a, in the understanding of an unredeemed timeline, you're losing everything, Dan, everything. But in a, in a redeemed flow of time... The kingdom is coming and you're gaining everything where Paul says, even at the end of his timeline, he says, for me to die is gain, right? That's the difference that redemption brings in no matter where it's at within time.
1: Wow. I love that. I love how unredeemed time is empty. It's nothing. But Mm -hmm. redeemed time is everything. I love that. That's so powerful because, you know, when Christ redeems us, he gives us everything all these things. Like yes, you said, does. we are seated in Christ, in heavenly places with Him, and He's given us this covenant of, of blessing in so many different areas. But without that, we don't have anything, do we?
0: Yeah, we don't. You know, any brother, in the Bible it says, and when the fullness of time had come, it's talking about redeemed time. But anytime in the Bible it says, and when the days had passed, it's talking about unredeemed time. The language is very specific. If you start looking at the timelines all the way through the Bible, God tells us how He deals with time. He tells us that like, what, like, what are you talking about? Like whenever he says, I knew you before you were born. Like, what is that? He, he said, Our relationship is eternal and it's outside of your timeline. So if I know you outside of your timeline, you need to know that I can also know you inside your timeline before you were formed in your mother's womb. He says specifically to, to Jeremiah, I knew you. It's so like, whoa, whoa, wait. So what happens is, as soon as you and I take our last breath of Texas air and our first breath of heaven's air, we enter into eternity. However we enter in, as far as eternity is, as far as eternity is concerned, is how we've always been. Like, what is that? That's why you need to enter in saved, (laughs) okay? Because time is the only place where purposes of, of redemption can work. Time is the only place where you can change a curse into a blessing. That's why as soon as Adam sinned, he fell into time and he became subject to time. The language for that is that the Word of God says that God told Adam, in the day that you sin, in the day that you eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you shall surely die. Mm. Like you will enter into a day. You will enter into time the second you do that. So as soon as he entered into sin, he entered into death. As soon as he entered into death, he entered into time because of the purposes of redemption. So when did he die? 930 years later. Like I thought he's gonna die that day. Yeah, a day is to the Lord is a thousand years. He died on that day, and it was actually one of the mistruths, one of the lies that the devil presented to Eve. And he said, "You will not die." And when she bit into it, she didn't. And she went to Adam and she said, "Look, God doesn't always tell us the truth. I ate this thing and I'm not dead." And then he bit into it. Boom he entered into death and he didn't understand that he was entering in, into a timeline like why would god have a trap door fall out from underneath adam and eve and say now you're in now now you are subject to time because now now you can say that was then this is now and this is what my new future is going to be that was not possible until he entered into a time realm so time, so god almighty actually created time for the purposes of redemption and as long as you're in time As long as you are, you have the availability for total redemption and total transformation.
1: (laughs) Wow. What a powerful truth, though. Because I think, you know, I've I've suffered from that sometimes, you know, where you you think, man, that has a grip on me. Mm -hmm. And what a powerful truth to invite God into that situation, even if it happened in the past. Yeah. And invite him into that and have him be redeemer in that situation. And then almost, in a sense, set you free and do a whole trajectory um, that's completely different. So he comes and he's a redeemer. He's a restorer. He's a rewarder. And, you know, he is the dream giver. And I love that he can go into those things and unlock your potential and unlock you and free you from those chains of the past. Wow.
0: And um, there's so many powerful stories in the book, um, can you tell us about your friend whose parents died in a plane crash, and the incredible way that God redeemed her and her parents' timeline? Well, yes, I ran into a friend of mine that I hadn't seen in some 30 years, and um she whenever she was a teenager when we were both teenagers it was amazing things there was when i was a 9th 10th and 11th grader i kept coming across this theme of people dying in plane crashes flight 191 that happened out of dfw lost several families from joshua texas which was the small town that i lived on and we actually thought my sister was on that flight and i could go through a whole bunch of those and some of my friends their parents died in private plane crashes and there was this strange thing that kept coming against people i knew well, 30 some odd years take go by and and I run into this lady and we get to talk in and she's been through several marriages and her kids are grown up like my kids are grown up now and we get to talk in and she's but she's got her act together now you know she's no longer an alcoholic she's no longer on drugs she's she's, she's walking with God uh, she believes in Jesus but she's just now kind of coming into that and she's like in her 50s, right? And so I get to talking to her just about the years she continued to lament about the wasted years and about the tragedy. And, and I was just listening to her and I just said, I said, well, tell me, tell me about the worst part of that mess that happened to you whenever both because both of her parents were killed in a plane crash, in a private plane crash. Mm-hmm. And she said, well, the worst of it was that um, they had been in a big fight. And um she never got to make up with them you know and they've gotten a big fight and she was a wild child and all this kind of stuff and she just said it's just horrific what happened to him." so i was talking to her and i said so you've invited jesus into your life right she said yeah i said when did you do that she said two years ago i said awesome i said hi why don't you do this and I said what and i said i said what do you what do you think is the worst part of your parents dying in this plane crash outside of what was going on with y'all. And she said, just they must have been so scared. They must have been so scared and it must have been so horrible. And I just, I can't even imagine how terrible that that was for them. I said, how about this? And so what? I said, why don't you invite Jesus, you invite Jesus, since you know him personally now, invite him to be in that plane at the moment that they're going down and let's pray that They'll recognize his presence, and the last few seconds of their life will not be the worst, but it'll be the best because Jesus is there. And she's like, you can do that? I'm like, yeah, why not? And she's like, well, how exactly would I do that? And I'm like, well, how did you invite him into your life now? you just got real, and you told him you needed him, and he showed up. And she said, yeah, but this is like a different place. I'm like, okay, I have orphanages in Uganda. Okay, can I invite the presence of Jesus to show up in one of my orphanages in Uganda right now? She's like, yeah, okay, well, that's time and that's space. And God's not subject to time or to space. So let's just carry this a little bit. I double-dog dare you to ask Jesus to show up and to be made manifest in your parents' plane as it's going down and that they're more aware of his presence than they are of the horrific tragedy that they're involved in. And she said, okay, so we did that. While she was praying that... And it's, it's kind of like, if you guys will put up with me for this, it's something like a Word of Faith thing. You declare the Word of God. You declare what God Almighty says, and you declare who Jesus is, and you say, Lord, I'm relying upon you for this. And this is impossible with men, but with God, all things are possible. And so we, I led her through that prayer, and we did it, and it was beautiful. While we were praying that prayer, I saw, I saw her father's arm around her mother. And I saw he was holding her close and I heard him say, the Lord is with us. The Lord is with us. And I saw he had this big giant ring on his finger, a big giant red ring. And so I told her that. And she said, oh, my God. She said, what? She said, my dad was wearing a big, he always wore a big giant red, red ring. And I was like, are you serious? She said, yes. And I said, do you still have it? She goes, no, I have no idea whatever happened to it. And I was like, well, that's a confirmation to you. The Lord was there with them. You can trust Jesus. He's faithful. He did not abandon them. He did not leave them. He was made manifest to them. And she said, Oh, I hope so. Well... After a little while, she began to change in her thinking of the whole tragedy. and she, she was estranged from her brothers and sisters. She called her brothers and sisters and said, this is stupid. We need to get together. We need to love each other. We need to be family. They got together for the first time in decades. Wow. They did that. And then she was talking to her brothers and said, have you ever been out to the plane crash? And they said, no. She's like, I want to go out there. I want to go to the actual site, to the site of the crash. And he said, okay, we'll go out there with you. They go out there to the site of the crash. They figure out about where it happened. It's in this big, giant field. They get to looking at it. There's these highline wires there. And that was one of the things that happened was this plane hit these highline wires. And they were standing there, and they're like, I think this is it. I think that this is the spot. And she tells them the story of, I invited Jesus to be in the plane with them and to help them so that they were not afraid. And she said, no, Troy saw a big old red ring. You remember, man, Dad used to wear that big, giant red ring? I was like, yes. And so they're standing there and they're talking about it, and they look down on the ground, and that ring was right there. Wow. After, wow. after, after 30 years. Wow. And here's what I'm telling you. I don't know that it was there before we had prayed that prayer a few months before that. <laughs> And it was such a huge confirmation to her that the Lord was there. He, like, left his signature, his signet, right? Yeah, it was crazy cool. Wow.
1: (laughs) What an amazing testimony. It's
0: just Jesus. He's so good, Dan. He's so good. And he is the answer to everything. And there's no reason for us to be shackled by anything in our past or the fear of our future. We just have to, you know, as King David said, you know, if, if... If I make my bed in hell, there you are. I keep finding you even in the worst places. I keep finding you. If I look for you, I can actually find you there. You can ask him and you can trust him with the best and the worst parts of your life. He's so faithful.
1: Wow. So you've mentioned orphanages in in Uganda. You've talked about human trafficking. Tell us more about what you're involved with and how you're helping people redeem their timelines around the world, those, Those people you're ministering to.
0: Well, thank you. Yes, sir. We have, um, we have a whole host of orphanages in, let's see, in Nepal, in India, in Uganda, in Tanzania, in Kenya, in Rwanda, um, on this side of the world, in Mexico, in Belize, in Nicaragua, in Colombia. And we also do a big work in uh, Cambodia and Taiwan. And uh, the past 30 years, we have spent our whole life traveling these places and building places there and then in the context of doing that for children and serving children and serving widows and building water wells and small communities uh, we started coming across um, little boys and little girls that people would actually sell me they wanted to sell me because they thought i was a sexual tourist and so As I became a middle-aged Caucasian male from America, I fit the profile of a sexual tourist and there are so many middle-aged Caucasian men traveling the world molesting children in third world countries that people just assume that that's why I would be there in this trash dump or in that place and they would bring me little girls and say, you want to buy these two kids? And I'd look at them and go, yes, yes I do. And then we already had. Orphanages set up there, so we already had family structures. We call them orphanages, but they're actually little family homes. And um, we did that randomly for years and years. And then in 2016, we built a ministry just to do this strategically. Uh, our goal in 2016 was to rescue 16 kids, and we rescued about 160 that Amazing. year. Wow. And uh, we've uh, we've rescued around 1,700, 1,700 just from January to right now of this year. So it's it's, multiply, it's so exponential now. And the Lord is blessing it. And we're seeing people set free in every way a person can be set free. We're seeing the power of Jesus. We're seeing total transformation. And we're also in our rehabilitation of working with these women and young men and young women and children, actually teaching them this, that the Lord is with you always, past, present, and future, and it changes everything.
1: What's the name of that ministry? It's Troy Brewer
0: Ministries. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't come up with anything cool. So, <laughs> so yeah, it's Troy Brewer Ministries. We always we also have an we also have another ministry called Answer International, and it's it's pretty much the same thing. We have a ministry called Spark Worldwide, serving, protecting, and raising kids, and then I'm uh, Pastor Open Door Church, and so we have a four. It's like four different ministries, all doing some of the same things, but they all kind of cross pollinate to make a tremendous difference.
1: So within those homes. As you begin to minister to these children, they're redeeming your timeline um, and, and you help them kind of see things differently, their past, and you kind of help them prepare for the future, what are some of the, what, what are some of the things that hold them back as, you know, we hear about different stories as they exit those sorts of homes that, they, that traditionally people have had challenges? Do you see that? And are you, are you able to help them redeem their timeline and step into a, kind of a new future?
0: Yeah. Thanks. Thank you, brother. No, it's a, it's a huge commitment for us because when we rescue somebody or take somebody in, we we recognize that that could be a decade's relationship it's not it's not a top deal of hey you, you hit 18 it's time for you to hit the street as a matter of fact that's a huge part of sexual trafficking all over the world is kids that foster out of either an orphanage or a home or the foster care so 18 and they have no skill sets so we have, we'll put them all the way through college you know and uh, even in some cases even after they get married we still support them <laughs> And so we're actually in the second generation now, and we're working hard in this second generation. And and uh, so as we travel about and as we do our thing, we're just like, hey, we're meeting not only our kids that we've known since they were a little bitty, but now we're meeting their kids, which call me Papa. Uh-huh. And we're doing that. So no, we're committed. We're committed to the long term. We really do not care how long it takes. I mean, why would I care? You know. So the only reason you would care is if you were working with. Um, some kind of a financial system that said you have to know exactly what the cost is. Well, I have no idea what the cost is on any of these things, right? So for some girl, like a 16-year-old girl, um, it's very hard to predict how long that commitment or that role is going to be, especially if she's, like we rescued a girl last year that was 17 years old uh, from India. She had lived in a brothel since she was nine, and we, we rescued her. And when we went and picked her up, she had five children. She's 17, so that means she had a child at 12, 13, 14, 15, and 16, and she just turned 17, okay? So she'd been pregnant her entire life since she was 12, okay? So that girl has no skill set, and her kids have no skill set. They've never been outside of the room that her mother is being prostituted out of. So they have no human contact except for prostitution. That's it. How long of a commitment is that? I don't know. Uh, I just know we're just committed. I also know this too, I can't, there can't be, we can't be so impressed with darkness that we're afraid to invite the light of Jesus into those situations, past, Mm -hmm. present, or future. And I I think that that's a big part of the answer is just refusing to be impressed with darkness. I'm not going to be impressed with darkness. There's no, all it is is selfishness. The opposite of love, Dan, is not hatred. The opposite of love is selfishness and that's real.
1: I think there's so many ministries out there that need to know about that because you hear about so many ministries that, you know, they hit that, that, that timeline, that eight that that eighteen and yep. then they're out. What are some ways that you guys have successfully transitioned from kind of aging out right. um, children at eighteen and kind of continuing on that support? What are some some of the ways that you've done that?
0: Well, it, it depends on which culture we're working in because mm-hmm. all that looks very, very, very different in India. Uh, once, once a girl or a young man is around 19 or 20 years old, they have a big decision that they need to make. They, they're either going to go into a lifestyle of they, they're ready to get married and they're ready to start living a family life, which means they have to have skill sets for that. Well, they didn't learn that in a brothel. So my whole thing is I tell all these girls, they all those boys are knuckleheads. You do not need to get married yet. And we tell the boys the same thing, hold your horses before you're just anxious to get off and get married. You need to understand, you've never been in a family situation before. Mm-hmm. And this is not going to be good for you. So what we do is we say, where do you want to go to college? Because I want to tell you, college in India is cheap. And you can send, you know, like we, when I say cheap, I mean it's cheap compared to American colleges. Sure. and like. What do you you want to do with your life? And then also to be prepared that they might not be successful in the first couple of stabs of that. And you can't just be like, you're a failure. Like, no, remember what they come out of. And it might take them a while to decide what it is that they want to do and find the niche because they don't have a lot of experience, right? So in in the situation of India, it is about a very long term commitment. Most of our kids that we have rescued as kids, they typically do not even pursue getting married or a family life until they're their late twenties or early thirties because they're way behind the curve, you know, and all that. So what they do is they get a they get a really cool career. A lot of our girls want to be stewardesses, a lot of our girls want to be which means they gotta to go to English school first, right? And learn good English and then go to a stewardess academy and then from there get a job working for an airline. And we do that a lot, which is really cool. That's that's a lot of fun. Boys are all different skill sets, all different kinds of stuff. In Belize, um, on this side of the world, we actually transition girls through, once we've rescued them, to actually send them, we do our own schools there. And it's typically one of four different categories, and one of them is a sewing thing, and another one is a cooking thing, and again, it's cultural, it's a cultural thing there, so that they have a skill set for their own community, so that they're not vulnerable to going back into some form of trafficking, and that they actually have a skill set for that. Oh, in different parts of the world, it's different things, but it again, it's everything in the kingdom is relational before it's functional It's all relational and you have to be committed to the relationship and then start working through the functionality of
1: that I love how that's such an example of the father. It is that he doesn't give up on us, does he? He does not he promises to be there with us through it all and he's not time to find. He doesn't That's say good. you're 18. I'm, d- I'm done with you. That's right.
0: Wow. Yeah, I know. It's a big deal. Speaking of time to find, I've got to go to another interview here in just a few minutes. And I want to just tell you guys, I'm so grateful for you. I'm, you guys didn't know me and you took a chance having me on here today. And thank you for being brave. And thank you guys for having me on. Thank you for being here and for getting the word of God out. Thank y'all for doing that.
1: Amen. Thank you so much for being on the show today. And we speak blessings on everything you put in your hand to. Absolutely.
0: Thank you, my friends. God bless you.